What's going on, guys? This is the Carson Cummick Talk Show episode number 77, and I have four, technically it's three topics, I have three, technically I have three topics for you guys today. Um, I'm going to be going over the recent news, and I'm going to be talking about what I think about Alex Smith's great comeback, the quarterback for the Redskins, his great comeback, I'm going to talk about what I think about Alex Smith's, Alex Smith's great comeback from his devastating injury that happened in 2018 in Week 11 against the 49ers, to now, as of today, he he has been activated and he's been taken off the PUP list, which means um, physically unable to perform list, which the PUP is just short for that. And he's cleared for football activity. And I'm going to be talking about whether I think Alex Smith is ready to go and is ready to play this season, or slash whether I think he's going to be able to start some games this season, or... Maybe start week one early and often, early and on against the Eagles. Not early and often, early on against the Eagles. So yeah, guys. And then I'm gonna be talking about some more record, some of my more record predictions. But this time I'm gonna talk about my record predictions for the NFC South and the NFC North. As the other two teams I did yesterday, I talked about my record predictions for the NFC East and the NFC West. And now I'm gonna be, and that, and now I'm gonna be talking about my record predictions for the NFC South and NFC North. So yeah, guys, let's pretty much get straight into it. Um, I don't have that much to open up saying, and I'm just going to dive straight into it. So yeah, guys, so what I think about Alex Smith's great comeback from his de- devastating injury, and now as being taken off the PUP list, which is physically unable to perform less, and is cleared for football activity, and whether I think he's going to start any games this year or start week one early against the Eagles, and whether I think he's even going to play this year. So yeah, guys, so yeah. There was news coming out today. Alex Smith came out. The news came out today. It was great news all over social media on Instagram. I woke up this morning and saw the NFL alert that I have the NFL alerts because I have the NFL app. And I saw the news on Instagram as well. Alex Smith got taken off the PUP, which PUP slash well, not really injured reserve list, but PUP list, physically unable to perform list. And he's ready to get in to some conditioning and in really hard contact football and really some he's ready to come back and play football again and he's so happy him and his wife and his kids celebrated with champagne being spilled all over his kids poured champagne on him it was a great it was a great day for Alex Smith he walked out of his house kids sn- snuck up on him and started spraying him with champagne so did his wife and yeah he's been taken off the PUP list as it's been a long time since we since Alex Smith has been on the on the grind on the football field on the gridiron. As in 2018, week 11, actually, he had a devastating injury as he led the Redskins to a six and four record at the time. But going into week 11, and before that injury, he was playing really good and really productive football um, for Jay Gruden and the and the Redskins, who were called the Redskins at the time. But obviously, they're the Washington football team now. But yeah, they had some very good things going. He let them do. He was leading the division at six and four, or he was second in the division at six and four, one of the two. And yeah, he was playing really well for the Redskins. Made all very good throws. Um, yeah, he's playing great football for the Redskins, and he led them to six and four record. And yeah, but I'm gonna dive into some stats. I'm so happy for him that he's back on the football field, and I'm he's really a quarterback that I've really liked ever since he came in the league in 2005. That's what the year I was born. But I'm saying I started watching football technically in 2010. When I first watched my first, when I first watched my e- first official Eagles game, um, yeah, that was officially. But 
Yeah, I've always liked Alex Smith. I've, I've always thought he was a very good quarterback on the on the Chiefs, and I thought he was good on the 49ers. And I've always thought he's a quarterback that really kind of like Tom Brady, who's helped quarterbacks below him. As Kaepernick was the backup for Alex Smith in 2012 for the um, 49ers. And Ka- you obviously saw what Kaepernick did. Because once Alex Smith um, left, Kaepernick was the immediate starter. And you guys obviously saw Kaepernick learned a lot from being under Alex Smith's wing. And obviously that produced to him Kaepernick being a very dynamic quarterback on the field. He led the 49ers to a Super Bowl in 2013, the year prior. I mean, the year later. And yeah, and I've always thought Patrick Mahomes, one of the reasons why he came out to be such a very good quarterback and the best quarterback today in the NFL is because of Alex Smith, because in 2015, I mean, not 2015, 2016 and 2017, um, I mean, just just 2017, Patrick Mahomes got drafted in the 2017 draft from from Texas Tech. Chiefs got him. He went to Texas Tech. Great quarterback for Texas Tech. And um, I was really proud that Alex Smith, what you guys don't understand, what people really underrate Alex Smith and what he really is also good at besides his production and play on the field is what he really does outside of that and really what he does and he cares so much about his teammates and he really helps and progresses you know the the quarterback that's behind him maybe the second string the third string whatever he he helps him and really helps him improve their game and that's what he's really done with Patrick Mahomes that he, what you guys don't understand is it, Alex Smith is an underrated reason why Patrick Mahomes is as good as as he is today guys he learned a lot from Alex Smith cuz he played great football for the Kansas City Chiefs he, Alex Smith threw for 4,000 passing yards in 2017, just slightly over 4,000 passing yards. Had a great year, 26 touchdowns passing, and only five interceptions. And a quarterback rating of slash passer rating um, of 104.7 that year. So Alex Smith was playing great football, and he led the Chiefs to the playoffs that year. But, of course, the comeback was real as Marcus Mariota and the Titans came all the way back to stun Andy Reid and beat Andy Reid and the Chiefs. It's a great game. But yeah, guys. I'm going to dive into some of the stats. I've always wanted to say that on this podcast about Alex Smith, that an underrated factor of what he's also really good at besides just on-the-field issues, not on-the-field issues, just on-the-field stuff, like him being very productive and a great thrower of the football, being as mobile as he is, and just just being very accurate as he is in the short passing game. They call him, you know, they also call him a check-down quarterback like they call Kirk Cousins. They call him Captain Checkdown. That's what they call Alex Smith. But, um... Yeah, I'm going to dive into some very good stats that he's had over his career. Let's start with this. His best year by far, his best and most productively statistically his best year, was in 2017 with the Chiefs where he had over 4,000 passing yards with 4,442 passing yards with, to go along with that, 26 passing touchdowns and a quarterback rating of 104.7 slash passer rating, quarterback slash passer rating of 104.7. All career highs in passing yards. With over 4,000 passing yards, that was his career and 26 touchdowns passing. That's his career and 104.7 quarterback slash pass rating. That's also a career high. So, great year. His best year by far is his most productive. Um, st- his best statistically, if you look at the stats, obviously it says it's his best year. But production on the field, he led the Chiefs to the playoffs. He led the Chiefs to a wild card, did not clinch the division. Um, 
but he led those the Chiefs. He led the Chiefs to a winning record and a and a spot in the playoffs, and a wild card spot. So he virtually led the Chiefs to the playoffs and had a very productive year, throwing for over four thousand passing yards, and threw for over twenty five touchdowns. And he threw and he had a great quarterback slash passer rating. Um, with 104.7, a great, great year. The, his best year, not just statistically, but saying that he led his team to the playoffs with having great statistics and just showing out and productive, being very productive for Andy Reid and the Chiefs in 2017. Um, there's an, and then another productive year was the year pro, the year before that was 2016 with the Chiefs. He had, um, it was his career at the time before, of course, 2017, where he shattered off, where he shattered it, his pass rating record. In 2016 with the Chiefs, he had a very, again, another productive year. He had 3,502 passing yards, which was his, a career high for, for Smith at the time. And he had 15 touchdowns, 15 passing touchdowns to go along with that. And he had a quarterback slash passer rating of 91.2, which was also decent and which was actually pretty good. So it's not decent, that's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, that year was very productive again. He was very productive on the field. Um, he obviously showed Andy Reid that he, he's the number one guy and proved to be the starting quarterback. And this was the year prior. The, in the offseason 2016, like, obviously, you no know, New Year's turns the new year. So the, um, the April of 2017, April of 2017, they drafted Patrick Mahomes out of Texas Tech. So this was the year prior, the season prior to them drafting Patrick Mahomes. The year before they drafted Patrick Mahomes in 2016, Alex Smith was, you know, that they was everything was flowing right with Alex Smith. You know, Travis Kelsey, of course, was his number one target. Basically, of course, Jeremy Macklin eh, was all right. Of course, Tyree Kill started coming into the picture in 2016. Of course, not so as much as 2017 and 2018, of course, but 2016, Tyree Kill started to evolve into the picture, starting to get a lot of punt returns as their punt return. And Tyreek Hill, you know, you guys, some of you guys probably don't know, Patrick Mahomes, of, I mean, not Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill evolved first. He was a punt returner and he was getting, he, as a return specialist in the special teams, he, he earned his way up from a punt returner in the special teams to being the starting wide receiver. And he showed that with his speed and getting the most, making the most out of his opportunities with the punt returns that he was getting because he's very, uh, very an electric player. And he obviously showed a young Tyreek Hill, 2016, first coming into the league from um, playing at um, Oklahoma State. And I think he played at West Virginia. Not West Virginia. Um, Western Alabama. He played at Western Alabama. And I think he played at Oklahoma State. But yeah, guys, yeah, Alex Smith had another productive year. He had over 3,500 passing yards with 3,502 passing yards, and he had 15 touchdowns, and he had a pass rating of 91.2. So a productive year for Pat, for Alex Smith. Now, of course, the year prior to 2017, he shattered all those records. He had a career on passing yards, like I mentioned, with 4,442, and he had a career high in passing touchdowns of 26, and of course, career high quarterback slash pass rating with 104.7. Now, fast forward to 2018. He leaves the Chiefs and Andy Reid to go to, at the time, Jay Gruden and the Washington Redskins. And what he did, he was actually a, a major factor 
and the leader of this team, he was at helm, at quarterback for the Washington Redskins with Jay Gruden at the time in 2018. He led them to a 6-4 record originally right before Week 11 where he got that devastating injury that, that, that sidelined him for about a year and a half. Like, oh my God, that, that was such a devastating injury I felt for him. I, I couldn't bear to look at that. I watched it once, and I, my eyes almost teared up because, wow, I, I, feel, I felt for Alex Smith and how hard he worked to get to that spot to lead his team and be at home at the starting quarterback for an NFL team, Washington Redskins, and lead them to a winning record late past half the NFL season at week 11, later in the NFL season, getting a real shot at the playoffs. And of course, when he went down, I actually thought that if the Redskins and, and Alex Smith did not get injured, I think they would have clinched that wild card spot over the, the um, I think they would have clinched that wild card spot, definitely, without a doubt. I think, I think they would have clinched the spot over the Eagles, definitely, because the Eagles went 9-7, and seven, and I think that a major factor why the Redskins were so good, it started, and this this guy led the team. Alex Smith was the leader of the Washington Redskins and Jay Gruden at the time. He was doing so well, and right before his injury, he had a he was having a, a, a he was on pace to have around four thousand passing yards. The dude had two thousand and five hundred and I mean, because on pace he was on pace to have a, at least. 3,500 passing yards, if not around the 4,000 passing yard mark, because he had 2,180 passing yards in that week. Go, go during that week 11 game, he had 2,180 yards passing before he got injured, and and he had 10 touchdowns, so he was on pace to have at least around a little bit over, you know, maybe around 20 passing touchdowns, and he had an 85.7 quarterback size pass rating, so. He was on pace to have another very productive year and another year where he was on pace. Again, like I said, before he got injured, the Redskins were a very good football team, a decent enough football team, a good enough football team to make the playoffs at a 6-4 and four record. They, they were had a streak going. They would have clinched the walk. I'm telling you guys that Alex Smith, the Redskins were good with Alex Smith. They were 6-4, and four, I'm telling you. Everyone's just sleeping on, was sleeping on the 2018 Washington Redskins with Alex Smith. At quarterback, everyone was sleeping on them, but he came out to prove them wrong. Went six and four before his injury. He was on pace to have another great year. Definitely was on pace to have over three thousand, around three thousand passing yards. Um, yeah, he was on pace to have another big year in his in his long NFL career as of so far. But yeah, Alex Smith is finally back for the for the Washington Football Team as of right now. The Washington Football Team as they're so apparently called. Um, yeah, he's back, and he's better than ever, and he's ready to get back on the grind, the gridiron on the football field. He's ready to tussle it up and fight Haskins for that starting spot. Now, I do think Haskins will benefit. Now, you guys will probably be, think I'm crazy for saying this, but I think it would be a good thing if Alex Smith starts for the, Reds, for the, for the Washington football team and, and Haskins learns under his wing and as a backup because I think it will be better for his development long time. I mean, uh, not in the shortcomings, for the long future. I think it will be better for Haskins' development as to learn under Alex Smith's wing for, for this year particularly for the Washington football team. And that's only because Alex Smith has so much more experience 
and he's done it before. He's taken a backup quarterback who wasn't really known out of Nevada, which is a decent college football team, but, but, but Kaepernick wasn't really that all much popular. It's not a popular contest with guys like Kaepernick. He was not a popularity person. He was a guy who is here. You're the backup quarterback, but... Yeah, once Alex Smith left, because Alex Smith really teached Kaepernick so much of the game. Kaepernick learned so much that he came in and in 2012 and really balled out. And, and this is what I'm telling you guys. I think Alex Smith might have got injured then, and Kaepernick came in. Yeah, Alex Smith got injured and Kaepernick came in. But, um, yeah, Alex Smith really teaches... You know how they say quarterback whisperers? That's not the same thing, but I'm saying Alex Smith is a quarterback developer. Like, just like Tom Brady developed Jacoby Brissett, I mean, especially Jimmy Garoppolo and Jacoby Brissett. J um, Alex Smith develops quarterbacks as well. He made Kaepernick... Not, not, not saying Kaepernick is where he should be right now. He's obviously not in the NFL, but that's not his fault. Kaepernick at the time in 2013 was a valuable quarterback in the NFL, and a good one at that. Was very fast and very dangerous in 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 the running game with his mobility. But um, yeah, I really think that the really thing that that has not been said about Alex Smith is how good he is at developing the quarterbacks that are behind him and below him, the second string and third string. And he did it, of course, he did it with Patrick Mahomes, and now Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL. I'm not saying Alex Smith. Was the major is the main reason where Patrick Mahomes is today? Because obviously Mahomes is just a, a different breed. His, his, his trajectory puts on the ball, the way he gets balls, sliding past defenders, and where he gets the ball where he wants to go every single throw. It's just a different type of. It's, it's, Patrick Mahomes has the skills that a, a, a great head coach cannot teach. At that, any head coach cannot teach the skills Patrick Mahomes has. But Patrick Mahomes has learned the leadership of Alex Smith because he came in in 2018, led the team from week one against the Chargers and balled out and just went on in the, in the season. He learned the leadership from Alex Smith, and he learned like just coming in and just handling all the pressure. He saw Alex Smith do it, and he was like, hey, I can do that. So he got some reps later in 2017, especially against the Broncos, and he, he didn't do that bad, I mean. But, yeah. He's definitely a guy that, that I think is very valuable, um, be, Alex Smith, because it's developing younger guys below him. And that's what he's really good at. I think he can do that for uh, Haskins. So that's why I think he, Haskins would benefit from being the backup this year and learning under the 36-year-old Alex Smith. Now, the one concern I have is this Alex Smith has to get used to getting those hits around his leg because he tore his leg and his leg got destroyed. And I really feel for him because... I really think that if um, his leg, you know, he gets take if he keeps taking a lot of hits to the leg, he has to learn how to deal with the pressure. Um, he's gonna have to get hit in the leg again eventually. I mean, quarterbacks get hit in the leg all the time. Refs might call a flag on it. If Russell Wilson gets hit in the leg, they're gonna call a flag. Aaron Rodgers are gonna call a flag. Wentz maybe not so much because refs are. I've always thought. They probably will call play because Wentz is very much injury prone. But um, yeah. So I think for Alex Smith to start, that's better for Haskins' development and 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 for for the longest for the longer time in the future to to develop Haskins. And you guys, it's pretty much 
And do I think ha uh, Alex Smith is going to start? I think yes. I don't think he's going to start quite week one against the Eagles. I think they're just going to put Haskins out there and see what he can do and see how much he's improved from last year. But by week, maybe week two, week three, around the week five mark, I think Alex Smith is going to be in the headlines of being the Washington football team's starting quarterback. Um, yeah, but I do think he's going to start some games this year. He definitely is going to play. He's definitely going to play. They're going to give him a shot. Um, they might throw him in week one. They might throw Alex Smith in week one, but he has to, you know, reminisce in all the plays, dig his nose deep in all the plays again, really learn the new the new scheme with, with former Panthers head coach Ron Rivera because Jay Gruden's not there anymore, so he has to get, you know, consistent and, and get, get a good bond with Ron Rivera. Uh, just, just to make this Washington football team even, even better. So yeah, if you, uh, you ask me if he's going to play games this year, I do think he's going to start some games. I don't think he's going to start just week one and early on. Um, because I think Haskins, you know, they have a lot of trust in a guy like Haskins. He's a guy they got at a powerhouse college football team at Ohio State who played excellently well, even though they did not make the playoffs. Uh, the, the, the top four teams that did not make the college football playoffs at Ohio State. The year Haskins was the quarterback in his final year, final year after declaring for the NFL draft for, for Ohio State. But I do think Haskins is a guy who has lost a lot of weight, got more into shape, and he's worked on those type of things. And yes, the arm has came, has come along. The arm is going to come along every year. It's going to get better and better and better. But I think him losing twenty pounds, I think it was, it was said a few months ago, twenty pounds. And getting more into shape, it will make him a more mobile quarterback and easier to be an escape artist. But yeah, guys, it's really what I think about the Alex Smith situation with him coming back from his devastating injury and being taken off the physically un unable to perform list. And his, they watched the football team and Ron Rivera cleared him for football activity. So that's really what I think about that. And that's really what I think about him, whether I think he's starting games or not. And I answered that question already. I do think he's going to start games this year, just not early on in week one against the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, guys. Now on to what I think about the Jets signing Chris Hogan. Now, I think this is a good thing. I think this is a smart move by Adam Gase, actually, and here's why. I think, yes, Jamison Crowder is already going to be a slot receiver, but the one thing that they lack, they lack that deep threat. They lack that deep threat. I'm not saying Hogan's that deep threat. I'm saying good. They have actually great additions from wide receiver. Bashad Perriman can be that deep threat. He's a former Buccaneer. They got him, and, of course, they got... Denzel Mims from Baylor in the NFL. They drafted him. Um, well, Chris Hogan, I think, is going to play in the slot. Jamison Crowder's in the slot, though, so I don't know how's it going to work because that that kind of reminds me of an Edelman Amendola situation where, where it, when both were in at one time, they both were very good slot receivers. They, very, they both were different slot receivers. Edelman was a receiver that picked up as much yards as he can. That he's that type of slot receiver, and Amendola was the slot receiver who didn't want to get injured, take hits. So once he caught the ball, got a little bit of yards, and then didn't, and then avoided hits and went down right away. Those are two different slot receivers. Now there's a slot receiver, the Z, so-called in high school terms, but there's two different types of slot receivers. Z is the original term for an all-around slot receiver. I think there's different types of slot receivers out there. I think there's really fast slot receivers who burn people with their speed, and I think there's slot receivers who are just quick, like Edelman and Amendola and Cole Beasley and Wes Walker, and have really good hands like them. And there's just slot receivers who are just really good hands and aren't solely all that fast. They have mediocre speed, and they have mediocre route running, but they just have dominant hands. So there's different type of slot receivers out there. The one I'm most familiar with 
then the one that I think Chris Hogan is, is like the Edelmans of the world, the Cole Beasleys, the Wes Welkers, and the Danny Amendola's. He's a guy that's quick, quicker than fast. He has quickness over speed. He's quicker than he is fast, and he really showed it when he was on the Patriots. And speaking of the AFC East, he, he's now on three teams in the AFC East. He was on the Bills to start his career, then he went to the Patriots, and then he's on the Jets now. The three teams in the AFC East, the only team he hasn't gone on three out of the four, he went to the Patriots, Bill, he went to the Bills, Patriots, and now the Jets, but he hasn't gone to the Dolphins yet. That'd be crazy if he ended up on the Dolphins. I don't know if that's ever happened. I don't know if any player has been in all four teams in a division, in the same division, so... And yeah, guys, Chris Hogan, I think, is a slot receiver that's quick. He's like the Edelmans of the world. He's like Amendola. He's like Colby's. He's like Westbrook. He's a guy that's really quick and is way quicker than fast, which gets things done in the slot for you. Um, I do think he's going to play slot. Um, I think that puts Jamison Crowder in. Uh, I think I think that doesn't work. You got him and Crowder both playing the slot. Um, whether they're going to move Hogan outside, which which he has played with the New England Patriots, and that was mainly because of the reason that in 2018, the New England Patriots had, uh, had of course, Julian Elman in the slot. And Hogan, I thought, was a slot receiver, and he is. And they moved him outside a little bit. So I think Hogan's going to be outside, but I don't think he's going to adapt to that well because he's a better slot receiver because he's a bigger guy. He's quicker quicker than fast, and he has really good hands, so I think he would work well in, in the slot, but outside is going to do for him because Crowder is manning the slot. Crowder's a better slot receiver, but I think Hogan is a, is a very good slot receiver as well, so it's going to hard. It's gonna be hard to tell what they're going to pick here, but I, I do think they're going to pick um, Crowder to be in the slot and move him outside. Chris Hogan, his best year, most productive year was in 2016 with the um, New England Patriots when he had... 38 receptions, for which was a career high, for 680 receiving yards. So over 500 receivers and four touchdowns to go along with that. Now in 2018, two years after that, with the Patriots, when they won the Super Bowl, beat the Rams, Hogan had 35 receptions for, over again, over 500 receiving yards, for 532 receiving yards and three touchdowns. Um... Yeah, so Hogan is a good slot receiver. I think he works better in the slot, like I've said, like Edelman would, and Mandola does, Wes Welker did. Even I'll throw him. I'll throw in guys even like um, John Brown. He works way better in the slot. But um, yeah, Hogan, it's going to be a difficult situation for Adam Gase to choose who he wants to be as the main slot receiver for his football team. You're going to want Chris Hogan or Jameson Crowder. I think he's going to pick. Chris Hogan, because that makes bigger guys go outside. You already have Rashad Perriman outside and Denzel Mims outside, two deep threats. And then and then of course Crowder in the slot, but then you can also add another valuable deep threat, Chris Hogan. But he's gonna Hogan's gonna have to come up big for Sam Darwin. He, he's gonna be featuring this offense a little bit, and I think that was a smart move for Adam Gase by getting Chris Hogan, a smart and good veteran. Yes, yeah, so that's why I think about the Jets and Chris Hogan. Now on to my record predictions for the NFC South and NFC North. Let's start with the NFC South. So, so I'm going to start with the New Orleans Saints, and I have them at 
winning the division and at number one in the division at 13-3. and three. So I have them winning the division, I have them clinching the division, and I have them winning the division. Now, there are some losses here. Three losses, I think. Three games I think they're going to lose, and there are some other tough games. So 13-3 is a really good record, but I'm just noting, and gonna, I'm going to tell you guys that there are some tough games that are going to be close to them losing, but I think they will pull them out. Um, yeah, there's going to be games that are tough. They have a tough schedule. They don't have that tough of a schedule, but they, they, they don't have an easy schedule. But yeah, and the only thing I can say is the losses, the definite losses, I think. They're not definite losses, but they're probable losses. They are Week 8 at, at Tampa Bay against the Buccaneers. I think they've got Tom Brady, at quarterback for the Buccaneers, a high-powered offense with two wide receivers who had over 1,000 yards receiving last year, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, and a Gronk who has great chemistry, who had great chemistry for 10 years of the past decade with Tom Brady, O.J. Howard at tight end, Ronald, J- Ronald Jones, the running game. Um, yeah, the, the only the only flaw I, th- I see here is their running game, and that will probably set them back a little bit. The defense, great pass rushers and linebackers with Sha- Shaquille Barrett and Levante David. Brett Grimes at, at corner. So they have a decent, a de- well, actually not anymore, but they have a decent enough defense as well. I think their Buccaneers are a decent team. I think they're not I think they're gonna go nine and seven this year. And they'll be next of course, second division nine and seven. Um possibly ten six, but I have them going nine and seven. But yeah, I have the Saints going thirteen three. Now those are the losses. Week eight at Tampa Bay. Um week fourteen against the Chiefs you got Patrick Mahomes riding the hot hand, the Super Bowl hand, Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, Tyree Kill, high powered offense again with the Buccaneers, Travis Kelsey uh, McCole Hardman, Sammy Watkins, Marcus Robinson, Clyde Edwards-Alaire running back. Now that Damian Williams out there now, Clyde Edwards-Alaire will start. And a high-powered defense with Chris Jones, Frank Clark, Tyron Matthew, Rashad Breeland. Not Morris Claiborne anymore. High-powered, high, high-powered defense. Anthony Sherbert. Not a very good defense. So yeah, the losses I have against Tampa Bay Saints, I think they're going to lose big against Tampa Bay, week 14 against the Chiefs, and tough games, I think that I think they're going to lose one out of these two games, um, uh, week 9 against the 49ers, that's going to be tough, um, depending on whether Debo Samuel comes back or not. Um, if Debo Samuel plays the 49ers, I think you're going to pull this out. They pulled out a week 14 hard-fought game with Kyle Shanahan. Great play calling. Garoppolo pulled it out. Running backs did well. Tevin Coleman, Raheem Mostert. Um, the receiving game did well. With, of course, George Kittle. The offense runs through Kittle. And, of course, um, Debo Samuel. It was a great game. They pulled it out, but but they need Debo Samuel. They did sign Kevin Austin, J.J. Nelson, but they both are injury prone. They might get injured. They probably will get injured. They, yes, they have experience playing the NFL and getting playing time. Kevin Austin started with the Rams, but they they both are keen and they both are proven to both be injury prone. So, yeah, they both are injury prone. So I think they both are going to get injured. But Kendrick guys, Kendrick Bourne, Dante Pass are going to have to step up for the 49ers. Running game is going to have to do, going to have to keep being consistent like they were in the playoffs. With the Humos are at four touchdowns, the NFC Championship, which is a, 
career high, and he had a great game against the, the Packers in the NFC Championship when they blew the Packers out. Then going on to eventually lose against the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, but they still hard fought game last year, only 14 against this. I mean, against the Chiefs, they lost in the Super Bowl, but a hard fought game was in Week 14 against the New Orleans Saints. The 49ers had a hard fought game. But yeah, that's a game that I think will be close. Now, depending on when Debo Samuel will come back, and if he does come back, because their defense did lose. Now, they're going to the defense. They did lose the Forrest Buckner. Now, yes, but they upgraded with the guy you guys probably don't know. Uh, defense, they did upgrade. The Fortnite did upgrade on the defense with getting a great linebacker. I mean, not linebacker. A great... The Fortnite did upgrade... Their defense was getting a great defensive tackle from South Carolina. Javon Kinlow is a great pass rusher and will be on the other side of the defensive line with Nick Bosa, who's powerful and dangerous defensive end on the other side. And then the defense on the linebackers, Fred Warner, um, D. Ford, Drake Greenlaw is a good pass rusher. And then Richard Sherman in the secondary. Mikello Witherspoon, who's also a good corner, matched up. And also have Richard Sherman. So, yeah, they, they have a good secondary as well. A sodden of defense. Um, of course, losing to Forrest Buckner, but they have a well-improved team on the defensive side of the ball. And on the offensive side of the ball, they have a, basically the same team, just not Matt Breida. Um, they still have, and they're just not Emmanuel Sanders, and they lose two defense, Emmanuel Sanders to the Saints, and Marquise going to the Eagles. But Marquise going did off out for the Eagles. But, but yeah, the, all, just those three a acquisitions on the offense, probably, I think. Um, Marquise going, they lost, and Manuel Sanders, they lost, and, of course, Matt Breida, they lost, the Dolphins. So, yeah, just those three acquisitions, the main three acquisitions, not uh, just those three losses um, that he lost on the offense, the three most notable, Marquise going, Emmanuel Sanders, and um, Matt Breida. But, yeah, I think their offense is still a high-powered offense, great offensive line, Stanley. I mean, great offensive line with Staley, McGlinchey, um, of course, Mike McGlinchey, Joe Staley, great offensive lineman, um, to block for Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, I think it's a great 49ers team, but I think the tough game, but that's an if for me. That's maybe, maybe loss, maybe win. I'm leaning towards the win because it's in New Orleans, and you know how Drew Brees plays in New Orleans. Michael Thomas, Jared Cook, Alvin Kamara. Jeez, Batavius Murray, that's going to be a tough, tough, tough fought game. Definitely a televised game, probably on Fox. Troy Aikman and, and Troy Aikman probably is probably going to do it. Tony Romo and Jim Nance do CBS, Troy Aikman does Fox. And another game, if, is week three against the Packers. It, it's, it, yeah, week three. Three against the Hackers. It's home. But that's a tough game. Aaron Rodgers. The only reason I'm saying the Saints is because the defense is going to take advantage of Aaron Rodgers. He has only one playmaker in Devontae Adams. And they're going to he's going to rely heavy on the running game with Aaron Jones because they don't have a, 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 a heavy, good receiving core. Devontae Adams is only notable. Alan Lazard is going to have to step his game up if they want to be a good football team this year. They are going to be a good football team. But Alan Lazard is going to have to step up in the receiving game. Marquez Mar Scantling is going to have to step up in the receiving game. Geronimo Allison is not there anymore. He's on the Lions. But, um, yeah, guys like Alan Lazard, Marquez Vadon Scantling, Jacob Kumarel is going to have to step up his game as well. So these guys are going to have to step up their game. And it's going to really 
factor in is going to come down to whether Alanzar, Marquez, Vadas, Gantling, those mainly Alanzar can step up his game to to be there alongside because we know Devontae alongside Devontae Adams because Devontae Adams is going to ball out. And we know that, but we need other. They need other receivers. They lost Jimmy Graham, of course. He didn't have much of an impact, but 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 still, they're going to need other guys to come in and play and be clutch for them, like like Alan Lazard. But they're going to rely heavy. They're going to rely heavy on the running game with Aaron Jones. But yeah, that's going to be close, but uh, I'm probably going to give them the win. So I think they go 13 and three. Now that I think they lose to the Buccaneers in Week Eight oh, at Tampa Bay, and I think they lose. Week 14 against the Kansas City Chiefs. And maybe I think they probably lose at home in, against the 49ers at home. Depending on Debo Samuel plays, I think, for the 49ers. I think they're going to lose that game. It's going to be a close game. It also comes down to the coach. And Kyle Shanahan beat Sean Payton in the, in the, in the smarts of, of the football and coaching. Uh, last year in Week 14, he outplayed, he outcoached Sean, Sean Payton. Did Kyle Shanahan? Kyle Shanahan out coached Sean Payton. Yeah, guys. On to the Buccaneers. I have them going nine and seven, and being second in the division. Now the ceiling for the Saints. Go back to the Saints. The ceiling for the Saints is fourteen and two, and the floor is eleven and five. So yeah, on to the Buccaneers. I have them going nine and seven. The ceiling for them eleven and five. That's if all the cards fall right. That's if Tom Brady is not rusty. That's if um, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin step onto the scene right away and have it basically almost a mirror year, mirror image of the year they had last year, both a thousand yards receiving. And that's if Gronk has damn near like over five hundred yards receiving and nearly like eight hundred, nine hundred thousand yards receiving as a tight end. And that's also if the running game goes goes really well as well. So so. Ceiling for them is eleven and five. Floor is eight and eight. So at worst, I think they go eight and eight. That's if they're really rusty, and that's if you know the, the what what may seem well as an outstanding offense on paper is just a, a, your average good offense. It's not any. That's not. It's not too productive. It means that it's an overrated offense. It means they're just an average team going eight and eight. Now, now wait. One thing I miss with the Saints is is that they got better on the offense, offense, offensive side of the ball with Emmanuel Sanders, and they got better as well on the defensive side of the ball with Nadja Benham to go along with their linebackers with Demario Davis and Kiko Alonso. And some of my comments for for the Buccaneers is that. I think they're going to be right in the playoff conversation, and possibly just slipping into the playoffs at one of the last one of the last one of the two wild card spots. They're going to be high in the hunt and maybe clinch a wild card spot in the playoffs. Possibly slipping, most likely slipping into the playoffs. Um, yeah, I think they have an outstanding roster on paper. It's just going to have to prove themselves on the field. Of course, Tom Brady, great quarterback, the greatest quarterback of all time. Of course. Um, Two great wide receivers, two of the best wide receivers in the league. Two receivers that stacked up both a thousand yards receiving each last year. Uh, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, and a great tight end, and Rob Gronkowski and OJ Howard. Great tight ends. What great tight end Rob Gronkowski and a, a good overall tight end and OJ Howard. And Ronald Jones is got to step up. Keyshawn Vaughn's gonna have to do well in the running game, the rookie, as well. So yeah, they both got to step up in the running game. 
you know, the defense is also solid. Like I mentioned, with linebackers um, Shaquille Barrett and Levante Day both made an appearance on the top 100 players of this most recent NFL season. Yeah, guys, I think they I think they have a talented roster on paper, but no OTA so far. Um, recent, not recently. Obviously, they have they have training camp as we speak right now. Every day, but I'm saying in the off season they gotta get their chemistry down. I think they're gonna be a tad bit rusty, but now they have the training camp. I think they're gonna be fine. So nine seven's a record to go for the Buccaneers. I think Falcons are right smack dab right behind the Buccaneers at eight and eight. So three teams in this division are either eight and eight or or have a better record than eight and eight. So three teams in this division have a f- over have either exactly at five hundred, which is the same amount of wins as they've losses, which that can only be eight and eight, or they have over five hundred record, which means better, which means more wins than losses. In that case, nine and seven, ten and six, eleven and five, twelve and four, thirteen and three, fourteen and two, fifteen and one, and sixteen and zero. Oh. So, but yeah, I have the Falcons going eight and eight. I have them. In playoff contention, fighting will be competing for a playoff spot close to making playoffs, but I think the Falcons just fall short just below the Buccaneers. I think the Buccaneers get one of the final one out of the two wild card spots over the Falcons. I think they fall just short, but they're going to be a high team in the hunt, and they will be competing for a playoff spot. Don't get that wrong. Um, I think they have a very good team, and I think it's very underrated in the sense that the only reason if the Falcons were in any other division in the NFC Except for the NFC West, who I think is the best division in the NFL. Because high-powered um, Seahawks, high-powered 49ers, a decent Rams team, and a, and a high-powered on paper roster for the Arizona Cardinals. But besides that, if he was in the NFC East on either the Eagles, Cowboys, Giants, or Redskins, or he was in the NFC South, Panthers, Saints, that's also a good division. Panthers, Saints, Falcons. Well, he is in the NFC South. Falcons are in the NFC South. But if the Falcons were any other of the three divisions in, in the NFC, like the NFC East, West, or North, say if he was in the NFC North, then I think that the Falcons would be, okay, the NFC North isn't in the back of an example, either. they're also a very good team, but I think they would be a good team in the NFC, in the NFC North, I think they would be competing with the Packers and Vikings for play, for, for to make the playoffs and for the division, I think they will probably pass the can't say that. The Vikings are probably a little bit better. Um, but yeah, don't don't forgo the fact that they have a healthy running back and a healthy star running back. They have the best one, the best running back in the NFL, Todd Gurley, who in 2018 was the best running back in the NFL. One of the best running backs in the NFL, Todd Gurley. And don't forgo the fact that they, he passes physical and he's ready to play for Dan Quinn and the Falcons. And they, they will accept him with open arms because they really love him, really can see what he can do. And I think they have a really good receiving game with Julio Jones stacked up with, you know, Calvin Ridley and Hayden Hurst as well. So I think they will benefit and have be really good on both sides of the ball. I think it's a decent year, eight and eight. I think Matt Ryan, you know, those for you know an unappreciated over three thousand passing yards, maybe even around four thousand passing yards, like he does, he has in previous years. But he gets unappreciated for because in fantasy he's blank player. He's a player that gets great stats for nothing in fantasy that count for nothing. Yeah, guys, they, I think they'll go 8-8. Eight and eight. And right after the, Pan, the, the the Falcons at 4th in the division, the worst team in the division, I think, will be the Panthers. 
And at six and ten, I was contemplating at first. I said originally six and ten or five and eleven, but when I looked at the games, when I looked at their schedule and went who I think they were going to beat and who I think they're going to lose to, um, you know, I I took the five and eleven route. I think they go five and eleven. I don't think that's too out of the realm of what's going to happen. I think that's exactly where the realm is for the Panthers right now. Originally, I had them earlier in my podcast. I talked about them going possibly seven and nine, or possibly even eight and eight. But when I look back at their schedule, I realized how hard the schedule is. Especially, they have to play the Saints two times a year, which two—that's probably two losses. Falcons two times a year, probably one out of two losses, if not two out of two losses. Um, play the Buccaneers twice a year, that's probably two losses as well. So that's six losses just for their division. When they play their division, that—that's tough. That's wow. That that. That's around five or six losses when they play just just the teams in their division. I mean, that that that's already five to six losses, and you got to go. It's tough. You got to go the other other ten or so games or eleven or so games around that range, and then and then you look at the other teams they play. They they play teams like the Bears, the Chargers. Bears are probably gonna beat them. Um, they play teams like, I think they even play the Cardinals. Arizona Cardinals are going to be a hot team this year. So, I think Teddy Bridgewater is a good backup. I don't I don't think he's your natural starter. I think he's an average starter. I think he'll give you 2,000, 3,000 passing yards. But blank stats, meaning you're not winning that much games. So, uh, uh, a, a blow... A below average record with around five at five and eleven. The ceiling is definitely seven and nine. Um, well, actually, the ceiling, which means the best they can go, is probably eight and eight. This and a near playoff spot, but just slipping out of it. Eight and eight is the ceiling. That's if everything goes right. That's if Matt Rule calls every single great play. That's if it's great play call. That 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 that, that that's if Teddy Bridgewater throws over four thousand passing yards, which would be career high. That's if. DJ Moore goes for over 1,000 yards. Robbie Anderson goes for over 1,000 yards. Curtis Samuel goes for over 500 receiving. That's if, yeah, that, that that's a long shot. 7 and 9 is is probably the more interesting thing I could bring up. 6 and 10 is where I think they could go. 6 and 10 or 5 and 11, but I'm leaning towards 5 and 11 because you look at the teams. He play, they play the NFC South. They're in the NFC South. So they're going to play the Buccaneers twice a year. That's probably at least two losses. They're probably they're not winning those games, even if it's home or not. That's a, a hot Buccaneers team. They play the Falcons twice a year. That's a guaranteed one out of two losses. They play in Atlanta, of course. And uh, maybe they win in 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 Carolina when, when the Falcons come to Carolina, but probably not. That's probably two losses. That's four losses already. Then they focus on playing the Saints twice a year, the best team in the division by far. Not by far, but that, that by itself is probably... Is two losses. That's about six, six, five to six losses already. It just the teams they play in their division. So that's about five to six losses already in the teams they just play in their division. So it's not too shabby. And then they play a lot of also decent teams. They play the, the Chargers. They play the Bears. They play the Cardinals. They play all these decent enough. They play the Raiders. They play all these decent enough teams. And and I just don't think they're capable of winning these big games. But give them a couple years. Wait till they find the quarterback in the jet. They won't get Trevor Lawrence. Wait till they find someone like Trey Lance, Justin Fields. Wait till they find someone like Trey Lance, who who I think they could they I could see him in a Panther. Wait till they find someone like Trey Lance or Justin Fields. Trevor Lawrence is too high for them. Um, 
he could end up there, but I don't think they're going to be as bad as 3 and 13 or even 2 and 14 or possibly even 1 and 15. To get Trevor Lawrence, you have to at least have like a 3 and 13 record, a horrible record. Because you have to just tank to get Trevor Lawrence. You have to tank for Lawrence. Just like the Dolphins last year, I thought tanked for Toa. But instead, they beat my beloved Philadelphia Eagles in a huge game. To, to, to send us with a, like a 5-7 and seven record, which was bizarre. Under head coach Brian, Brian Flores. But yeah, guys, I do think that's a decent estimate for them. 5-11, ceiling 7-9, floor 4-12. That's if everything goes horribly bad. I think they will probably win more than four games, about five, six games, around probably five. Um, they have a great running game with McCaffrey. That's the light in the dark for them. They have a good receiving game with DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, of course, Klein, Robbie Anderson, and Curtis Samuel. And they have a decent enough offensive line that could be a little bit better. Their defense is, eh, could be a little bit better. But yeah, I've been going five and 11. On to the NFC, my predictions for the, my record predictions for the NFC North. So, here we go. NFC North, my record predictions for all four teams. At number one, I have the Packers winning the division at 12-4. and four. Now, I was contemplating. I looked at the record and their schedule. I mean, looked at their schedule early on, and I noticed that, you know, there was three or so games that I knew they would lose. Three or so games that I knew they would lose. But that one other game that I noticed was... Oh. Now... I think it was the game against the Saints that was a wild card for me, but I knew it was going to be the loss. So yeah, I have them going twelve and four, and they're sealing thirteen and three. Um, that's it. All the cards fall right. That's if Rodgers plays well. That's it. Well, Rodgers is going to play. That's if Rodgers, you know, gets in connection with a guy like Alan. That's if Alan Lazard steps up. That Rodgers gets good connection with Alan Lazard, and because we know. Devontae Adams always Mr. Reliable for Aaron Rodgers. That's why I like to call him for Aaron Rodgers. Mr. Reliable. He had an exact 997 team yards last year. That's not bad. That's not bad. That, that, that ain't bad. That ain't bad. That, that's actually good. Sprite out of the 1,000-yard bubble, but that, that that's not bad. That's not bad. But yeah, I'm going 12 and 4, and the floor is 10 and 6 because 6 losses is. That means Rodgers would struggle a little bit with getting connection with guys like Lazard, close Vadez, Scantling, Jake Kumaro. Um, but yeah, 12 and 4 is the record to go with the Packers. Great running game with Aaron Jones, and in the receiving game, you have to have guys like. Secondary receivers, aside from the your number one star receiver for the the number one star receiver of the Packers and one of the best receivers in the NFL, and Devontae Adams, the top five receiver in the NFL, in my opinion, who's the fifth, just under Tyreek Hill at four, and then three, Hopkins, two, Julio Jones, one, Michael Thomas. But yeah, um, yeah, I would have to. I'd have to say. That yeah, great running game with Aaron Jones. Still consistent running game with Aaron Jones, but the, for the only key to them go twelve and four, 
and I haven't gone 12 and 4, and that's because I think guys like Alan Lazar are going to improve and step up. And Marquez Valdez again to to benefit helping Devonta Adams and Rasheed because we know Mr. Reliable like I had a, like that's my nickname for Devonta Adams is always gonna be there for for Aaron Rodgers. So yeah, just depending on that other um, receivers that can step up like Alan Lazard and Marquez Valdez again. But and also the defense is also very good with Jair Alexander at corner, um, Darnell Savage coming in at safety. They did lose Ha Ha Clinton Dix a while back. He he left the Bears last year. Uh, of course they have great. Pass rushers Darius Smith and Preston Smith. The two Smiths are great pass rushers. They have also solid defense. And, yeah, that's a tough team to beat, so I got them going 12-4. Um, I have the Vikings at number two in the division at going. I had was contemplating adding them 8-8 eight and eight or 9-7, and seven, but I thought about it. I took some time thinking, and, hey, I think they're honestly an underrated team. Diggs, one second, Diggs gets removed from the team, and the team falls to dust. You're not realizing they still have Adam Thielen and they got JJ Jettas with that, that at that's his Instagram name, Justin Jefferson, LSU star receiver who who can replace Diggs as a deep threat and could be even better actually. He has more height to him. I mean, Diggs is better, but I'm saying Justin Jefferson has great all around talent at the wide receiver position. Tall has the frame, has the size to be great. Really good hands. He's fast for his size of the brain, like a four five, maybe a four four. Um, and he has really, really good hands and good route running. And Adam Thielen's going to be bona fide number one receiver this year. He's going to need some help, so that's why they got Justin Jefferson. And they got Tajay Sharp to be the, you know, the third receiver. Tajay, they got Tajay Sharp from the Titans. And yeah. Um. But yeah, Dalvin Cook has a, and also Dalvin Cook in the running game is really good at the top. I would say top 10, don't, obviously top 10 running back in the game. Number one, I think, is, um, number one, the best running back in the NFL, I think, is Saquon, too. McCaffrey, statistically, it's McCaffrey, especially last year. McCaffrey's statistically the best running back in the NFL. He was last year, and he technically is right now. Um, of course, I have the best running back in the NFL, Saquon Barkley, two. McCaffrey, three, um, I think is Derek Henry. Actually, yeah, four, Dem Cook, five, Nick Chubb, six, Aaron Jones, and so. Uh, but yeah, and the defense, they did lose every single group from the show. Daniel Hunter, they still have guys like Mike Hughes. They did lose Xavier Rhodes, the older, veteran corner. But they still have guys like... Um, Anthony uh, Bar or Bar and Eric Kendricks, and they have Daniel Hunter as well. So, yeah, great, great, great pass rushes as well. And I think they have a good, solid team. Yeah, I think they're being underrated. So I'm gonna take them going nine and seven actually. And I think they're gonna be in playoff contention and possibly slip into the playoffs actually. At three, I have the the Chicago Bears going eight and eight. Just a mediocre season like they did last year. Just under the Vikings. Like a game under the Vikings. And I think they're still going to be in the midst of a playoff contention, the Bears. Now, whether Trubisky or Foles starts, um, I'm banking on it's Trubisky. It might even be Foles, but I think Matt Nagy's leaning towards Trubisky only because he's more, um, you know, experienced in the system. But I do think that 
Foles will come in at some point because I think Trubisky is going to fuck up sometime. He's going to fuck up a lot of times, actually. But then uh, guys like uh, Foles will come in maybe turn it all around and give them hope. That's why I think they're going to be in the midst of the playoffs because they have good receivers. They have a great receiver, an underrated top 15 receiver in the NFL, who had over 1,000 yards receiving last year in um, Allen Robinson. And, of course, Anthony Miller is a very underrated, underrated slot receiver. had over 600 receiving yards last year. And, of course... Um, Of course, a guy like Cordell Patterson apparently is going to be used more in the running game. But yeah, guys, um, they also have younger developing receivers. So yeah, I have them going eight and eight mediocre team. And of course, they did David Montgomery. They gave up Jordan Howard in 2019 to the Eagles in 2018. He played in 2018 for them, but they gave him up to the Eagles. But I do think they're going to be a solid squad and a solid team. But, um, yeah, I have them going 8 and 8. Fourth in division, the worst in the division I have going is the Detroit Lions. I have them going 7 and 9. I'll have, that's good for worst team in the divisions. That's a, NFC South one of the best divisions in the NFL by far. Not by far, but they're one of the best divisions in the NFL. Um, I think they have a better year than last year. I think they, they, um, Matt Patricia, uh, still, I think he's a, a, you know, little minion of one of the little minions of Bill Belichick, the little disciples of Bill Belichick. Um, I think he's a decent enough coach to do well. Matt Stafford, the only question is if Matt Stafford can stay healthy. They went 5-11 and 11 last year. Not yet. Nah, wait. Yeah, they, I think they went 5-11 and 11 last year. And that was when Matt Stafford w was injured for a part of the season. And guys like David Blau had to come in and so on and so forth. Yeah, they're great receivers. And that's why I think they can go 7-9. and nine. And a great running game duo now with the rookie DeAndre Swift. They got him out of Georgia. They drafted him. The, the great running back out of Georgia. And, I do, and also on Johnson. So, yeah, they have a really good... Um, Great receivers like Kenny Gade, Marvin Jones, and Danny Amendola. Tight end TJ Hawkinson. But yeah, um, the defense still needs to improve. They lost Darius Slay. They did get Desmond Trufant to replace him. They did get Jeff Okuda. Um, um, the Ron Harmon they have. But yeah, they, they just need to improve on the defensive side of the ball a little bit. But yeah, I think they're going to go 7-9. Yeah, guys, I pretty much wrap things up, and I'll catch you guys later.